Amen. All right, good morning. Well, 2019's right around the corner, New Year. And uh, how many people here have made a resolution? Even if you're not calling it a resolution and you're calling it just a change, a new plan, whatever. A couple of resolutions, any resolutions? A couple, three or four, five. Now people are getting honest, finally. All right. So, six. Um, so, if you think about it, why do we make resolutions? What, what in the world would prompt us to make a resolution? And you might have different reasons. Well, I need to lose weight, or well, I need to you know, get out of debt or start saving money. But really kind of more general than that, why do we, uh, why do we have or, or set up for ourselves resolutions? And I think a generic kind of general answer to that is because we want to make some positive changes that are going to benefit us and benefit others, right? And that typically at the root of it is we want, no one's making resolutions to do something that's going to make life more miserable or more difficult for you and, and others. You're trying to make some positive changes that are going to benefit you, benefit others. You're trying to make the most of your life, right? That's what we want to do is we want to make the most of our life. How many ever years we have left here on earth, we want to make the most of them. Whether that's, uh, you know, getting financially squared away or, you know, getting rid of some bad habits or whatever it might be. We want to make the most of the years we have with our life. Well, in order to make the most of the years that we have with our life, we need to understand a little something about life. So that's why we're going to look at what the preacher or Solomon has to say about life. And he, he writes a book called Ecclesiastes that talks all about life. Now, if you just read this book you, and, and you don't really take time to understand where Solomon's going with this, it could tend to bring you to the pit of despair, to depression. Because really what he ends up saying, life is vanity. In other words, life is just empty. That's what he's saying. Life is empty. He says, under the sun. You'll, you'll, I think it's used 28 times in the book, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. And basically what he is saying is that life can be empty if you're just focused on life here on this earth. If you just have an earthly focus to life, it can be really empty. And so as Solomon, the great preacher, the son of David, as we know, the, the wisest man who had ever lived, gives advice or thoughts on life, we should probably think about what he has to say. What does it mean to have a meaningful life? And so we think about that our life, but let's think about that for 2019. So what I want to do is I want to give five tips for making the most of 2019. Five tips from the book of Ecclesiastes, and you have some notes there if you want to jot these down, for making the most of 2019. You could find a lot more tips in that book, but we're going to just kind of stick with five for this morning. So I'm going to pray one more time, and then we'll dive into tip number one. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your word. I thank you that you give us uh, teaching in your word and truth, Father, that's not sugar-coated, that's very real. And 
We just ask that you would help us to understand your word clearly this morning. I pray that these tips, these ideas, these truths from your word wouldn't be things that just get shuffled into uh, our Bibles and, and notes that we tuck away or things that we forget even by evening. But instead, I pray that it would begin to give each one of us, whether it's one of the truths or just a thought in one of them, that it would begin to give more meaning to our life, Father. We know that you can do that. We ask you to work. We ask your Holy Spirit to work in us this morning, God. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. All right, so tip number one, we're going to do a lot of scripture reading, by the way, so gear up for a lot of scripture reading. I think we'll have all of it up on the screen, but tip number one, don't expect fulfillment from anything external. Tip number one, you want to have a meaningful life, an enjoyable life, don't expect any fulfillment from any external thing. Don't expect fulfillment from anything external. And so we're going to read uh, Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 11. You can turn it in your Bible or I, we can read it up here on the screen. So Solomon, let me just give a little background. Solomon, some people think that Sol uh, the book of Ecclesiastes should have never even been included because it's so dark and that it, uh, some people think, well, Solomon had turned away from God. I think what had happened is he lived a life, gotten towards the end of his years, and saw a lot more clearly the importance of having a meaningful life. And he wrote it down. In fact, he says that. He says, I want to write this stuff down to spread this knowledge. And so part of that is he had all kinds of resources. You've heard of the treasures of Solomon. Richest man that ever lived, besides just being the wisest man. And so he could do anything that he wanted to do. And he tried it. And so let's read a little bit about what Solomon said. He said, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth, fun, enjoyment. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, vanity or emptiness. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth. What does it accomplish? I searched my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine. So he's looking like, how can I satisfy myself? How can I bring satisfaction to myself? while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I made my works great and I built myself houses. So, so far he's went for wine, he's went for wisdom, and then he starts saying wealth, like I want houses. I planted for myself vineyards, I made myself gardens and orchards and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. He set up an irrigation system to water this awesome garden. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the providences. I acquired male and female singers the delight of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. 
I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on the works that my hands had done and on the labor which I had toiled. Indeed, all was vanity or meaningless or empty and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Now that's a list of things that we pretty much would be all about pursuing, right? Entertainment, the best entertainment. I want to be entertained. I mean, he had live entertainment, the best of the best entertainment. He had wealth. He had projects going on. A lot of us love projects. And what did he come? He said, it's all just emptiness. And so the reality is, if you want to have a meaningful life, if you want to have an enjoyable life, you're going to have to come to terms with the reality that you cannot expect fulfillment from anything external. I mean, how many people here would say, I have enough money? Right now, I have enough money. And if I said, well, how much more money do you need? You would have just a little more, right? Just enough to tuck away from my kids' college, just enough to pay my, get my phone turned back on, just enough to get the car fixed, just enough to be able to buy better insurance, just enough. There's never enough because we are always wanting more. If I said, who here is in good enough shape? Your, your goal maybe for this year is to get into shape. Or maybe it was last year and you're in the best shape you've ever been. Who here is in good enough shape and says, I'm good with this. I can hold here forever and I'll be just fine. Some of us are hoping to kind of just hold here forever, not get, not get worse, right? How about fun? And you're like, you know what? All the fun that I've had was enough fun. I've had enough fun in life. Or are you kind of like, man, I had some fun, and now I want to have some more fun, right? Just not enough. It doesn't matter what it is. Projects. What happens? You get done with one project, and the project can become everything for the moment. You're on that one project and you're thinking about it and you're researching it, you're working on it, you're like committing hours of time and investing uh, money, your resources, you know, your interest, your... and then you get done with that project and what happens? It starts usually getting, if it's a thing, you know, whether it's a bathroom remodel, as soon as you start using that bathroom, it gets all dingy and gross and messed up again. The paint starts peeling. Immediately, things start kind of going downhill from the day that you finish up the project and get it all cleaned up or whatever that might be. And so what do you do? Time to start another project. Now, is it wrong for us to do those things, to want to have fun? No. God doesn't mind that we do those things. God doesn't mind that we get our finances shored up. But what he wants us to know is you will not find fulfillment in those external things. We've given the example before of having uh, an empty cup with holes in it. And when you try to fill it up with external things, whether it's a relationship or anything, it's like just pouring into an empty cup with holes in it. It will not hold. But since we have Jesus Christ... He can meet our internal needs. And that's why it says, you think of that empty cup, and and the Old Testament points to it as like cisterns that are leaking and won't hold water. And the New Testament talks about Jesus Christ. What it says, it says that from your heart shall flow rivers of living water. 
That's fulfillment, even excess. But if you want to enjoy and have meaning in your life in 2019, just right now accept the fact that you will not be able to be fulfilled with any external thing. It will not fill the God-shaped hole inside of our hearts. It just won't. We're going to get to enjoying some of those things, but don't think that they're going to bring you ultimate fulfillment. Tip number two for making the most of 2019. Don't lose heart when life gets unfair. Don't lose heart when life gets unfair. I hate to break it to you, but life is going to be unfair to you in 2019. Don't lose heart. Don't despair. Christ knows unfairness. We don't have to despair. He's with us. We're not alone. Don't lose heart when life gets unfair. You know, I, I saw a news story. I saw it a couple days ago, and then it popped up on my news thing again today. It talked about this 14-year-old girl who died up at Horseshoe Bend uh, just this week. And you think about it, and you think, okay, what could a 14-year-old girl have done that would deserve for her to die rather than some of the guys that are locked up? Like, that seems unfair. People that have murdered people get to live to an old age. But yet this young girl who was probably on a vacation with her family, and the worst thing that we can imagine that she would have done, we've probably all done ten times over. But yet, she dies. Life is going to be unfair. Solomon talks about it. I mean, the, the reality is even some of your uh, resolutions that you set up, you're like, okay, I'm going to get in shape. You know what? You might get so sick, or you might end up breaking your back or a bone, and you don't even get to get healthy. You may go, you know what? Taking care of finances, I'm getting out of debt. We are getting out of debt this year, and then you lose your job. It's just not fair, right? You work at a job, you work at a job, you're working hard, you're working hard, you're working hard, and some new unqualified guy gets the promotion because he knows somebody. Not fair. Life is not going to be fair. Don't, uh, don't lose heart when life gets unfair. Let's see what Solomon had to say about this. In 3, 16 to 22, he says, Moreover, I saw under the sun life on earth. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. And in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. So in other words, there was wickedness even where there should be righteous judgment. Um, I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work, I said in my heart. Concerning the condition of the sons of men, God tests them that they may see that they themselves are like animals. For what happens to the sons of men also happen to animals. One thing befalls them as one dies, so dies the other, surely. They all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals, for all is vanity or emptiness. All go to one place, all are from the dust, all return to the dust. Who knows the spirits of the sons of men, which go upward, and the spirit of the animal, which goes down to the earth. So I perceive that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? Uh, 8.14 There's a vanity which occurs here on earth that there are just men to whom it happens according to the work of the wicked. 
There are righteous people, people that are doing good, but they end up facing the difficulties that a wicked man should face. And it says, again, there are wicked men whom it happens according to the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. And so there are people who walk unrighteously, but they end up being the people that maybe have the money, the cushy life. They get to go do the spa day, all of those things, but maybe they obtained all that wealth in a wicked way. Life is unfair, right? I mean, we try. I, I tell that to my daughter all the time. Hey, I just want you to know, life, that's not fair. Life is not fair. It's how you got to learn how to handle that unfairness because life isn't fair. We all know that. You're going to face unfairness. 9, 11, and 12 says, I returned and saw unto the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the white. That's how it should be, right? The swift guy should win the race. The battle should be won by the strong. The bread should go to the wise. And the riches should go to the men of understanding, but that's not how it works. Let's keep going here. It says, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. For man also does not know his time, like a fish taken in a cruel net, like a bird caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. Life's not fair. So tip number two. Don't lose heart when life gets unfair. Now, this may, you may feel like, wow, this is really negative. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, says that it, here's how life really works. Like, let's sit down. We're going to have a heart-to-heart about what happens in life. One, you need to realize you're not going to find satisfaction in external things. Two, you need to realize that life is not always going to treat you fair. And as we know how life works then we can end up having a good, a meaningful, make the most of our life because we won't be knocked down and give up and quit and discouraged to the point of snuffing out our perseverance when we realize, oh, wait, God's Word told me that this kind of stuff was going to happen. God's Word told me that there's a chance I might get passed over for the promotion. Okay. Jesus Christ was treated more unfair than anybody who ever lived. And He's with us. And we have Him. Don't lose heart. Christ knows unfairness. We don't have to despair. He's with us. Tip tip number three. Don't expect things to stay the same. Don't expect things to stay the same. We all know that life is full of seasons, right? I mean, life is just full of all kinds of different seasons. How many people in your uh, yearbooks probably had BFF, best friends forever, right? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't when I was either. But best friends forever. How many of those people you even talked to in the past 20 years? Really a best friend forever? Life has seasons. They were your best friend at that point in time. Or how many of us, you know, still hang out with the people that we knew in our uh you know, college age years. Do we hang out with those people? No, there was a, a season. And probably for a lot of us, it's better that we're not hanging out with the same crowd that we were hanging out with in those days. There's a season for everything. Maybe you're in, uh, currently in a dark period in, in your marriage. 
Lord willing, that is a season. And you'll, as, you, as you endure through that, you can experience the joy of enduring. But that dark period can be a season. Or maybe vice versa. You're like, marriage is awesome. Things aren't going to stay the same. You're going to meet some dark days, some difficult days. Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's a season of building and working hard and uh, investing your time and your energy and kind of getting things established. And that's the season. But things aren't going to stay the same. Winters don't last forever, do they? Winters don't last forever. The dark days of life don't last forever. But the springs don't last forever either. If we could pick, personally, my choice would be year-long spring. That's not how life works. It's full of seasons. That's just how, how it works. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how, you know, if you have kids, just when they're first born, just how fragile they are and the way you hold them. I mean, it's like you're really careful. You don't want their head to tip back and everything. You know, you're even nervous to, like, pick them up, like the cradle-to-head thing and because they can't even hold their own head up. And there's a lot of joy in that. They don't even have teeth. Like, I'm never going to see Evie again without all her teeth in her head. There was that period of time where I saw her, no teeth. If she lives long enough to have no teeth, I'll be long gone. <laughs> but cradle her all soft and gentle. and That's a season. I love that season. That was a fun season. You know what the season is now? Swing her around in circles and drop her from as high as I can onto the couch or throw her from as far as I can across the room to the bed. If I did that when she was an infant, I would have been in jail. Right? It was a season. There are times, there are seasons in life. And one of the things that we need to realize is we can't expect things to stay the same, whether it's a good season or a bad season, I, I, you know, whether things get easier or more difficult. Better or worse, I can promise you this, things are not going to stay the same. 2019 is going to be full of changes, probably economic changes, probably health changes, probably job changes, relationship changes, church changes, all kind of different changes. And that's okay. That's the way God has designed life to be in seasons. But if you try and cling to a season... And hang on to it. And you, you guys have all seen the people who are trying to hang on to the past. You know, some, some gals, you'll see them and you're like, you know, you're not in high school anymore. Get a different uh, wardrobe, please, for the sake of us all. Like, it's a new season. Yeah. Right? right? People are like, uh, kind of awkward. But you, you guys know what I'm talking about. You see, you see that. Or the guys hanging on to their glory days about how awesome they were. You know, and how they were in high school football, and they were this, and everybody that, and like, dude, you're in a whole nother season right now, you know? You have a hard time getting in and out of your vehicle without moaning, like, let's not talk about the glory days, it's a different season. And so, just that reality, so, uh, most of you know this is, is a song, but let's go ahead and just read chapter 3, 1 through 8. Tell me if there's a song going through your head as we read this. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, 
and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. How many have the song going through their head? Turn, turn. Okay. For every hang. I don't know. <laughs> but, but the reality is, things are not going to stay the same. And if you're trying to cling on to whatever phase, or if you're just wanting to get out of whatever phase, just realize you are in a season. And 2019 is going to be full of seasons, and that's okay. I want to just read one more uh, verse on this point, 11, 5, and 6. You, as you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning you sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. We have no way of telling what's going to happen and wisdom lets us wisdom lets us embrace that reality that I don't necessarily know what's coming up for me around the corner. And that's just reality for all of us. Next point, enjoy the blessings of each day. Tip number 4, enjoy the blessings of each day. I wrote, stop and smell the roses. And then I thought, when's the last time I actually stopped and smelled roses? It's been a while since I've stopped and smelled roses. You have to stop what you're doing. I've walked by lots of rose bushes, but actually stop and smell a flower, that takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of intentionality. It takes a little bit of slowing down. But life is full of difficulties. And I think Solomon points out in a, in a really clear way that it's, it's important for us to take time to enjoy the little blessings of every day. And I was thinking, and I'll just ask you this, what specific enjoyments of life did you take time to be blessed by yesterday? What happened yesterday that you enjoyed and you thought, man, I'm really enjoying this? Is there anything today so far? that you've thought, man, I'm enjoying this, watching your kids play or, uh, you know, maybe even the cold weather, like, wow, this is kind of, this is kind of exciting. Or maybe as you uh, thought about work, being, being grateful for the job that you have. Because the reality of it is, is when we are so focused on getting more and trying to get, uh, you know, fulfilled through external things and we're trying to get more, we're trying to get more, or when we're griping about how unfair life is and we're doing these things, it's impossible to enjoy what's going on in the now, isn't it? If you are really scrambling to just try and fill an empty hole, a God-shaped vacuum in your heart, you're not going to enjoy the little things that God's given you. You're going to be dissatisfied. Or if you're complaining about, I can't believe how unfair life is, or, man, I just want this season to be over. Oh, my goodness, this is horrible. This is miserable. I just want this period of my life to be done. Well, that, 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 there's something to that. But at the same time, to realize that there are blessings, everyday blessings that we can enjoy in the middle of all those things. And if you want to make the most of 2019, you'll stop and smell the roses and enjoy the little things. You'll enjoy 
the sound of the kid, your kid that's kind of driving you crazy because they just won't stop talking and you're kind of like, this is kind of cool. You know, this, this is nice. You'll enjoy the labors of your work and that you have a job and that you got a paycheck. Or maybe you'll enjoy finishing up a project and cleaning up the backyard and you look at the backyard and you're like, that feels good. That's nice, man. I'm going to just enjoy that. And that's a godly thing for us to do. Let's look at a couple verses. 3, 12, and 13. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat, drink, and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. So when he, by the way, he says like, eat, drink, and be merry. He's talking about enjoying the things of life. Have fun. Enjoy life. He's not talking about just part, become, you know, this person who's just partying all the time and three sheets to the wind and eat, drink, and be merry and just, you know, live like a party animal. What he's talking about is have fun in life. Enjoy the things that are there. Even in the book, he says, don't be too righteous. I read that and I'm like, what? Why is he saying that? Of course, we're supposed to live righteously. I think the idea of what he's saying is don't become so pious and, and so uh, aloof that you don't enjoy the everyday things of life. Eating, drinking, having fun because you're too righteous to have fun and laugh and enjoy the people around you and talk about stupid things and clown around. We should enjoy those things. Um, verse or Chapter 5, 18 to 20. Here's what I've seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him. For it is his heritage. And as for every man who God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. The reality that rather than just uh, constantly being fixated on the turmoils or difficulties, one of the remedies for that is just enjoying the everyday joys that we have in our heart, the things that God has given us. God wants us to enjoy the everyday things in life. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and move on. I had a couple more verses for that one, but our, our last tip, for enjoying 2019, and I would say making the most of 2019, is remember every day you're 24 hours closer to meeting your maker. Remember every day you're 24 hours closer to meeting your maker. And so if you think about even that girl I was talking about, 14 years old, I'm sure she didn't have that planned on her day planner. But she went to go stand before her maker. I, I've told some of you guys about our neighbor, Mark, who died this past year. Mark hit, uh, retired from the sheriff's department. Oh, man, and he was excited. He brought over his poster, his big retirement poster that they gave, gave him. 
he came over and, and showed us that and he was talking the first week or so he was bringing over donuts in the morning to our family and he was all excited he was talking about you know how he wants to get his jeep fixed up and he's going to get this jeep fixed up he just wants to get a tent trailer they're going to start doing camping uh yeah me and him we can work in the garage together i'm retired now i can re i can just enjoy life within six months he was dead in fact you guys were over the house the night they found him they went over there he'd been dead in his house for two weeks the guys going in and out because it, it was so so bad in there they had to wear masks to go in and out of the house he thought he was going to be enjoying his retirement that was his plan enjoy retirement and then i can kind of even go to the other side and i can look at my mom i mean you guys prayed for my mom you saw there were about three times like I, we were talking and i was mentally preparing for her funeral services and then we were getting to hang out here on christmas this year and we even talked about it. Man, there was a good chance that we, we wouldn't even be able to all be doing this. And let's just enjoy the reality that we have this Christmas time together. Remember, we have to remember that. We have to keep that in the forefront of our mind that every day we're 24 hours closer to meeting our maker. You're, you're a day closer than you were yesterday. You will meet him. You will stand before him. Nobody escapes that. And you want to make the most of a year, you, you live your life in light of that. You live your life in light of eternity. If you want to make the most of 2019, live 2019 in light of eternity. That'll change the way you live. That'll change what you invest in. That'll change what you spend your time on. That'll change your attitude towards life. If you live 2019 in light of eternity. Let's just go ahead and read the whole last chapter of Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. And you may say, oh, too late. My youth days are gone. Then start now. Make up for some lost time. Remember him now. Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in him. Uh, Ned, David and I were talking about that this morning. It's crazy when you're young, you have all this energy, you have this health, you have more energy than brains. I mean, it's like you just, you got, uh, you can enjoy life, you can see good, you can hear, you can eat just about anything, you can stay up late, get to bed early, work all day, play all night, like you can just do all that. But you don't really have the wisdom or the life experience to enjoy it. And then you get older and you have the wisdom and the life experience and truth and you can't so much do that stuff anymore. It, that's the way God has designed life. He says, while the sun and the light, so uh, pursue God, uh, remember him, while the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain in the day when the keepers of the house tremble. And the strong men bow down when the grinders cease because they are few. And those that look through the windows grow dim. And the doors are shut in the streets. And the sound of grinding is low. What he's basically given us here is a picture of aging and getting older and kind of things shutting down. The old lamps in the eyes are growing dim, dimmer and dimmer. And it says, when one rises up at the sound of a bird, 
and the daughters of music are brought low. Also, they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. And isn't that true? As we get older, we're a little bit more reticent of things, right? You get up next to a cliff. You used to bounce around the edge of a cliff like it was nothing. Some, some of us would. Now, it's like, uh, you know, we're afraid of the height and the terrors of the night, the bad guys out there. Where before, you bring it on. Like, it doesn't matter. It says, when the almond tree blossoms, grasshoppers a burden, desire fails, for a man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed and the golden bowl is broken. That means before your, your uh, life here is over. Or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was. And the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanities, vanities, says the preacher, all vanities. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, <clears throat> he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright, the words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. Let me just say this right now, because you may be thinking like, I don't like this. Like, come on, life's not fair. I can't get filled up with external things. So life's going to change. Like, nothing's going to stay the same. I don't like this. Well, the words of the wise are like goads. They're like a sharp stick. They don't necessarily feel good. Sheep don't like to be poked, but a lot of times that's what's best for them. They're like goads, and the words of the scholars are like well-driven nails. <clears throat> Given by one shepherd... And further, my son, be admonished by these of making many books. There's no end. Much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear. So here, after he said all of this, life under the sun can be so empty, so unfair, so uncertain, so unfilling, unfulfilling. That's reality is what he says. He says, but, in just a couple words, he says, but, let me sum it all up by saying this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. What he's saying there is life on this earth is going to be filled with all kind of difficult, negative, confusing, unknowable things. So what a wise person will do is a wise person will live their life for God now and have their heart focused on Him. And what he says is, he says, remember, remember, remember. So as we think about that, <clears throat> we kind of just go, okay, don't expect to be fulfilled from external things. Don't lose heart when life gets unfair. Don't expect things to stay the same. Enjoy the blessings of every day. Remember, Every single day, we're 24 hours closer to meeting our Maker and giving an answer for everything done in the open and in secret. All of that. Let's live in light of eternity. And he says, remember your Creator. And the New Testament tells us we are to remember Jesus Christ. We're going to celebrate communion, and that's how we remember Christ. We remember what He's done for us. So I'm going to read a verse here in just a minute, but I want to just make sure we understand, you know, life under the sun 
is depressing, empty, meaningless, without the knowledge of God. It just is. That's the reality. We do not know, I think I've heard Ned say this, I believe, we do not know what the future holds, but we do know who holds our future. And we can put our hope and our trust in Him. And if you have Jesus Christ, you have everything that you need for life and for godliness, for the enjoyment, fulfillment, and so that even in those last days when you stand before your Maker, you can stand there knowing that you've been cleansed by the blood of a Savior. You can dedicate your life to living with Jesus Christ as your Lord. Jesus Christ made it possible that we could be reconciled to God, have an enjoyable life, not easy life, but an enjoyable life, a fruitful life. No matter what's going on, that's possible through Jesus Christ. So the first thing, if you want to live for the future in 2019, if you've never put your faith in Christ, that's the first thing you do. I'm going to trust Christ to save me because I do want to be there with Him. The next thing you do is you make Him your Savior and you say, save me. The next thing you do is make Him your Lord. You're like, well, I made Him pretty much Lord. Make Him completely Lord. Take those little areas of real estate that you've held and fenced off for yourself and decided to keep and like, okay, God can have this one later and begin to hand those things over. That's what it would really mean to obey God and to keep His commandments, would be to surrender to His Lordship. And for us, we need to remember Jesus Christ. I want to uh, move into communion by looking at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, really quickly, with the idea that, kind of the idea of moving forward or running a race, Verse says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Basically, he says there's going to be a couple things that are going to hinder you in your race. One, the burdens of life. Try and cast those things off. The other thing that's going to weigh you down in this race is sin. Cast those things off. And one of the best ways that we can do that, you're like, well, how do I throw off the weights, those difficult things? How do I cast off the sins? Is by keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ, remembering Him. That's what he says. He says, uh, fixing our eyes on Him who is the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Having a meaningful 2019 is remembering who Jesus Christ is and what He's done. And when I say remembering that, you're like, so what does that mean? Keep your eyes focused on your Christ. You're like, what does that mean? Do I get some sunglasses and paint Jesus on the inside of them so that I can keep my eyes on Him? No. What it means is that we look at what He has done for us. We keep that in focus, always remembering that He died on the cross to give us eternal life. He rose again and conquered sin. That we think about what he, we have now and we concentrate and focus on what Jesus Christ has given us now. The hope for the future. We focus on Jesus Christ knowing that He has secured our future. He's coming back to fix all the wrongs to make everything better. So keeping our eyes on Him. That's how we remember Him, by keeping our eyes on Him. I'm going to have the elders come on up.
We're going to partake in the elements, and as you know, these are symbols <clears throat> of Christ's body and blood, which he gave for us so that we might have a relationship with him, so that we might have eternal life. I would encourage you as we take these, spend some time thanking God for what he's done for you. Thanking God for his son, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that was able to make us clean and make us have a relationship with God. The cups and the uh, bread are in the same one. Before we take the elements, I'm going to have Ned go ahead and pray for us. You got it. Father God, Lord, uh, Father, we thank you and praise you for your love, your grace, your mercy. And Lord, I always want to acknowledge and thank you for saving us out of this world. That uh, as we went through Ecclesiastes, I know so many of my friends view it as a dark, sad scripture, but I... I enjoy it. I love it. It's wisdom, Father, that uh, we can enjoy everything you've given us. And, uh, Lord, especially eternal life and righteousness through Christ. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that love. And uh, we praise you. And uh, we just lift this prayer up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ned. So when he had taken the bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. <clears throat> Paul told us, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And it's in His death that we have life. Praise God. As Ned said, life and righteousness because of Christ. I'm going to pray one more time. Father, help us to take to heart these words that we looked at from Your Scriptures. Thank You for leaving us these messages written down. Father, thank You for sending Your Son, the Word in flesh, that we might be saved, that we might have eternal life. 
We thank you also for the ceremony that you've established for us so that we would continue to reflect on who your son is and what he has done for us. We are so blessed because of you, God. We pray these things in your precious son's name. Amen.